It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Your host here, Charlie Potter, on WGN Radio as I do the first show of the month of December. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving week or whatever time you were able to get away and enjoy hopefully being in the outdoors. I I was indeed in the outdoors, but I was not in America. So this morning I'm going to talk a bit about being in Central America, in Costa Rica, in fact, and and take this as a great outdoor show, but also an observation on on my thoughts on Costa Rica and and some of the experiences I had. And I know many of you listening have been to Costa Rica. I was in Costa Rica 20 years ago and had not been back since. Obviously, things change in 20 years. Uh, I really wasn't prepared for the degree of change that I saw. Uh, I had the pleasure 20 years ago of being on the the, uh, West Coast in the Guanacaste province. And it was, well, much as it had been for a long time, a lot of it uninhabited, very simple. There were no big houses. Uh, If Americans or Canadians had moved down and really started to set up the compounds that are there now, they they were not obvious. I remember 20 years ago talking to a fisherman in Playa Flamingo, uh, and, and, and the Guanacaste uh, province is the province that joins, basically joins Nicaragua in the northwest. So if, geog- if you're looking at it geography, from a geographic perspective, you've got, Coast- you got San Jose kind of in the middle. You've got the new airport in Liberia, which, of course, wasn't there 20 years ago up in the northwest, and that has enabled Guanacosta province to become the hub of economic expansion and tourism in Costa Rica. Uh, the, the, the beaches in Costa Rica, at least those that I've seen not only 20 years ago, but in my most recent 10 days there, these are not long, big, beautiful, spectacular, you know, sugar sand, white beaches. These are mostly short beaches with a lot of volcanic sand and in a lot of cases, a lot of rock. Costa Rica does not have the, certainly doesn't have the panhandle of Florida or any of the Florida or the Carolinas length of beaches or California's. It's got short, small beaches. So Playa Flamingo was a tiny little fishing community 20 years ago. There were two boats there. There was the guy I fished with this time and his grandfather's boat 20 years ago, 2020 and 2003. Got there this time. I looked out at the harbor. There was a flotilla of boats bobbing on moorings, and there had been built a brand new marina open in the last six months that can hold, I suppose, a hundred, maybe more boats. And next to the next to this marina was a completely developed condominium housing development with a major hotel planned to go in to this place that was a dirt road 20 years ago. We went out fishing. We walked into the water, got into a little sort of canoe, and went out to his boat, which wasn't much of a boat at all, my son and I. It was rough. And what I knew about Costa Rica from 20 years ago and what I knew about Costa Rica from all the people I've known who've gone there is it's a place where you go 
to go fishing offshore or practically on the beach for dolphin, tuna, sailfish, marlin, the, the best fishing among the best fishing spots in the world. And yet for years I've been hearing from individuals I have great respect for that the fishing in Costa Rica was going south and going south fast. So as we left the harbor in, a, in what was a rainy, sort of blowy, rough day in a boat that was probably, oh, maybe it was 20 feet long and sure it could handle the seas, but you couldn't stand up in it or get, you got thrown from one side to the other and went out trying to, in our case, catch some mahi-mahi or, or dolphin and, and maybe we would get lucky and, and catch a Dorado. Um, the captain said to me, he spoke perfect English. I said to him, I, I can't believe the difference. He said, 20 years ago, it was me and my grandfather. And we maybe had a customer in the high season, oh, two or three times a week. Today, there are over 300 boats where there were two just 20 years ago. He looked at me and he smiled and he said, the fishing's not any good, but the fishing business is great. So think about that for a second. 20 years ago, and even 10 years ago, you went up to the Guanacosta province in northwestern Costa Rica. You you expected to have some of the best fishing, saltwater fishing in the world. And a guy says, today, where there were two boats, there are now 300 trying to catch fish. So in five hours of rocking around in the ocean, we we could catch a fish, one fish, one mahi-mahi, a beautiful 20-pound mahi-mahi that was terrific table fare, just as you would hope. But usually you would expect to catch, well, dozens and keep one for the table. We caught one. The fishing business in Costa Rica has been destroyed by Americans. Plain and simple, there's no other way to describe it. This has happened in several other places in the world. We love something to death to the point where we overlove it, we overuse it, and we ruin it. And so as I sat bouncing in this boat or driving in Costa Rica along the coast, I couldn't help but think I was looking at the Cancun of the future. And the American development, whether it's JW Marriott, whether it's Hyatt, you name the resorts and the private developers, the money is pouring into Costa Rica, into these little villages that have, well, most of them don't even have running water. And we're coming in and building golf courses and and casinos and enormous hotels, far bigger than the beaches can handle. And and, and you just have to, on one hand, you you can say, well, this is progress and this is great. People will be able to come. And on the other, you have to say, is this what we really want to do to the world? And Costa Rica is, is arguably the most prosperous country in Central America. I can tell you, by our standards, is not prosperous at all. And I've, I've often, I spent a lot of time in Nicaragua, as you've heard me over the years talk about, because the, the bird hunting is so spectacular in Nicaragua. And in Nicaragua, there are cars, very few, as, 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 as our driver said to us, cars, very few. Bicycles and horses everywhere. When you get out of Managua, and, and unfortunately right now, you, you, I don't think you're going to Nicaragua, Everybody I know who ran camps in Nicaragua has closed them. Um, the political situation is highly unstable for an American. But you left Managua and you, you went back in time in Costa Rica. You get away from these fine American-financed resorts 
or Canadian financed resorts, and bicycles dominate the road and small cars. I actually never saw a horse or a rickshaw in Costa Rica, whereas in Nicaragua, they are they are the means of transportation, the primary means other than the bicycle, very few cars. In Costa Rica, there are lots of cars on roads that absolutely are not designed to have any cars on them. We took a drive, and I'll tell, tell you about this when I get back from the break, but a drive up into the rainforest and what that is like. But I can say this, and only in Costa Rica could you turn a 30-mile drive into a six-hour trip. Yeah, that's an average of five miles an hour. That's how bad the traffic is, and that's how bad the roads are. But before I leave the coast of Costa Rica, I have to say that there is an, an absolutely remarkable place that's been developed there. It's called Las Catalinas, and it was developed by an individual out of Atlanta who not only has great taste, but he had a great vision. And it is everything that the other developments in Costa Rica are not. It's a self-contained village on the beach. There's no sense of incredible opulence. There is none of this. My house has to be bigger than your house. Um, it, it resembles a, a Spanish village built into the side of a, of a mountain on a small beach. It is incredibly tastefully done. Los Catalinas. Everything else I saw on the coast that was being developed makes you just think of the worst of the Yucatan and Cancun and how we can build these enormous developments on these tiny pieces of property. And, and Americans and Canadians, we all flock there by the tens of thousands. Um, it's so sad to see a country that is so rich in natural resources in a way just um, selling itself out to the commercial interests. Of course, there's a lot of money involved. And I don't need to be jaded in this conversation, but my eyes were really opened after a 20-year hiatus of leaving a country that I thought was was truly remarkable for its natural resources to see in so many ways its natural resources being plundered for tourism. And, and for me, sadly, to see that the fishing is just nothing like it once was, and pretty clearly why. There are far too many people fishing. I'll be back with just a moment on The Great Outdoor Show. This is the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America on WGN Radio. Charlie Potter, your host, and first a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. Hiking, camping, and hunting, it's all an adventure in the great outdoors, but nature can be tough. You need to be ready for anything and everything. Chevy Silverado is built to handle the toughest conditions and get you everywhere you want to go worry-free. Silverado's designed to handle the big jobs. It's built for the great outdoors. With over 13,000 pounds of towing capacity and trailering sway control, Silverado can haul the biggest loads on the roughest roads and keep you cool as a Sunday drive. With eight available cameras and up to 14 different views, it can spot trouble before it gets to you. That's peace of mind. And when you're ready for the backcountry, Chevy Silverado 1500 ZR2 owns the off-road. You name it, we run over it. No wonder it's Motor Trend's 2023 four-wheeler pickup truck of the year. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and check out a Chevy Silverado. It's freedom to explore the great outdoors. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Hope you're enjoying my little sojourn around 
Costa Rica, which I was describing, and maybe for some of you it rings true that what I was describing, and for others you might not necessarily agree. And for those of you who haven't been to Costa Rica, I can simply say it's no longer undiscovered. So I thought I'd just take a moment to talk about what it's like to drive being guided by ways uh, in my car into the rainforest of Costa Rica. It, it certainly is an adventure. Uh, we went high leaving Los Catalinas. We went high into the mountains, as high as you can go from the coast, headed back towards San Jose. The distance was actually 60 miles, and it took nearly six hours to do that distance. You almost could walk faster, except you couldn't because there's nowhere to walk. The roads, uh, quite, quite simply, are they, they're called roads. They are narrow, winding trails. Most bridges are one-lane bridges, and the cars line up for half a mile or more waiting for someone to go, and then everyone else tries to follow them quickly before someone comes the other way. It is a complete mess. But more off, moreover than that, there are no road signs. There are, there are no road signs on the roads. There are no street signs. So in today's world, you're being guided by technology, and my maps is telling me turn light right in 1,000 yards, turn less than 1,000 yards. And the next thing you know, you're out of cell service. Now what do you do? So I uh, found my way to where I was headed, which was 20 miles north of San Jose in the highest part of the rainforest that Costa Rica has to offer. The drive was spectacular. If you want to have adventure, I was, it was more adventure than I needed. The road on one point had at least a 2,000 foot drop to the right and an equal drop to the left, and the road was not much wider than my car, and I was in the middle of a dense fog where I could barely see in front of the car. I actually had my window down, my head out the window. I think I might have been going two miles an hour as I crept in this dense fog on this road that was maybe 10 feet wide with 1,000-foot drop-offs on, on either side. Thank goodness I was alone because I think if I had had a family member with me, they would have probably killed me anybody else. I'm just trying not to be killed myself. And of course, what happens? A truck, such as they have in Costa Rica, small trucks, comes the other way. We are at a complete impasse. I'm not going backwards, and I'm sure not going sideways. (laughs) Pretty much, it was a standoff. I'm going forward. He's going forward. Neither one of us can go backwards. I just sat there. And finally, this individual in this truck backed up. There's no way I could have backed up. I would have driven right off the cliff. In any event, I got to this small lodge in the rainforest as darkness was falling, and monkeys are in the trees, and, and, and the rainforest, which are not, they have the dry coast in Costa Rica, which is on the west coast, deciduous trees, all the trees lose their leaves in the winter, they have a rainy season, but then it doesn't rain for six or seven months at all. In the rainforest, it obviously rains every day, and it rained the entire time I was there. And whereas on the coast, it had been 95 degrees and you were sweltering. The water, the ocean water is about 90 degrees or so, it seems. It was in the 50s in the rainforest. And, there, and the trails that I had gone to hike and explore, they, they were nothing more than just mudslides. And, and so the hiking was extremely difficult. It was actually quite dangerous. Waterfalls, cliffs. But I had a guide with me. And the guide was brilliant at describing all the poisonous things that were within a couple feet of me as we're going along. 
and and I'm thinking, I just don't want to fall. Because if I fall, I'm probably falling on a red-eyed frog that can bite me and kill me, or I'm falling on some snake that's venom will kill me. Everything in the rainforest of Costa Rica can kill you. And all of them are so well camouflaged that you, you don't even see them until you're upon them, whether they're snakes or frogs or bugs. I did, though, with my daughter, we saw a sloth. And that was very cool. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's kind of like a koala bear, you think, but they way up in this tree with a spotting scope, we spotted this sloth sitting motionless in the tree looking at us and it was it was one of those cool moments when it made the walk worthwhile of course the whole walk was worthwhile aside from the fact we're covered with mud um and to stand there and look through this spotting scope at this sloth in a totally natural environment that that's a very cool experience to do with your daughter and i'm glad i had the experience so as i sign off for the day i do have one last thought on costa rica first of all I love these kind of experiences. They, they are what make life fun to be adventuresome. Central, Central America clearly has its problems. But I have this thought. I walked in a pair of hiking boots all over the rainforest that I walked in in Costa Rica, all on these trails in the dry rainforest, in the wet rainforest. And then I walk into the airport and I get on a plane to America and I land in Dallas. I still have mud on my feet. And I'm thinking, we wonder about how we get invasive species in America. I mean, my feet have the mud from the Costa Rican rainforest on them, on my boots. And here I am walking in the airport in Dallas. I went to the, to the nearest men's room, and I took off my boots, and I washed them as thoroughly as I could. I couldn't sterilize them, but I washed them as thoroughly as I could. But it made me realize we are indeed a global economy, and this is one of the reasons why invasive species come to America so easily. It's unable to stop them. Thousands of people are bringing it every day on our feet. Anyway, thank you for listening. I love my time in Costa Rica. I recommend that you go. So, so it's a truly fascinating country, but just be prepared. Time has indeed marched forward in many parts of Costa Rica, and it's not the wild place it was a few years ago along the coast, at least along the coast of Guanacaste province. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.